As you open your Bibles, go to Psalm 44. Psalm number 44. Praise God. Psalm 44. Before I go to the Word, I want to uh, announce that one of our beloved church members has uh, gone to be with the Lord, Sister Manuelita Segovia, uh, our our matriarch around here for a long, long time. Um, She was closer to a century than many of us will ever get, I think, so we thank God for her life and uh, all the uh, Segovia family. um, They uh, mourn her loss, but they rejoice because she has made it home, and uh, we rejoice with them. Services will be held here Friday evening and Saturday morning, so I want to encourage you to be a part of one of those services at least, if you can, come and support the Segovia family as they are a a big part of our congregation and uh, are always extending their help to others, so let's uh, be with them in this time as we celebrate uh, the victorious homegoing of Sister Segovia. Got to speak with her yesterday, and uh, she was ready several uh, weeks ago when I spoke to her, she said she didn't know why the Lord still had her here. Uh, so she was about ready. Her bags were packed. And uh, my my last memory of her is her wave. She waved at me last night. And uh, she went she went to the, be with the Lord this morning. So uh, continue to keep them in prayer. Did you find Psalm 44? Amen. If you have a pen tonight, I want you to have it handy. We're going to mark our Bibles a little bit. And um, we're going to do what we call exegesis, all right? You don't know that word, don't need to know that word, but exegesis is when you extract from Scripture, you take the Scripture and you just draw out of it like you would water from a well. Uh, I do this when I preach to you, but I don't do it with you, so tonight we're going to do a little exegesis together. Is that all right? I didn't say exit Jesus, I said exit Jesus. All right, so there's another word closely related to this. It's called eisegesis, and this is something you don't want to do. That's when people read into the Scripture what's not there. All right, we're not an eisegetical church, so uh, it's not our desire to read into the Scripture what we want it to say, but to extract from the Scripture what's there. And I believe the Lord gave me this psalm for us in the middle of this 21-day shift. Uh, We have begun a 21-day shift. I think today we're about the halfway point. How many of you have been in in prayer? How many of you have been fasting? How many of you have been in the Word? Uh, I want to review just real quick. What are the five strategies the Lord gave us at the beginning of the shift? He said, uh, we read the psalm and said, Blessed be the, the Lord our rock, for He teaches our hands to war, and our fingers to fight. And he gave us five things we do with our hands. Let's see who can remember them. What was the first one? Pray. All right, good. We started off well. We prayed. Paul said, praying always, lifting up holy hands. When you and I pray and we lift our hands, we are engaging in an act of spiritual warfare. Estamos en este, uh, en este, esta época de 21 días de ayuno y oración. 
Y hemos aprendido cinco uh, formas de guerra que se usan nuestras manos Dijo el salmista, él adiestra mis manos para la batalla y mis dedos para la guerra Entonces la primer arma que usamos con nuestras manos es la oración What's the second one? Fasting How many of you eat with your hands? Yeah, if you're going to break a fast, you most likely break it with your hands, right? It starts right there in that reach. So uh, when we fast, we're engaging in spiritual warfare. Uh, también aprendimos que la segunda, el segundo armamento es el ayuno. Cuando no comemos, uh, estamos haciendo guerra espiritual y son nuestras manos las que nos dan esa alimentación. Así que cuando no comemos, estamos usando nuestras manos para la batalla. What's the third one? Third weapon. The word. The, the Bible, the word of the, the Bible says that the word of God is the sword of the spirit. Can you can you use a sword without your hands? No. Uh, la, la tercer arma es la palabra de Dios. Dice la escritura que la palabra es la espada del espíritu. Y una espada no se puede usar sino con las manos. Esto es una arma muy fuerte. And so I hope you've been using the word. I'm going to give you some word tonight so you can use it. Okay? The word of God is the arsenal of the church. Uh, la palabra del Señor es el armamento de la iglesia. Es la palabra que tiene las armaduras necesarias para nuestra batalla. The arsenal of the church is not philosophy. It's not man-made ideas. It's not the, uh, the concepts of the world. The, the arsenal of the church is the word of God. When the devil came against Jesus in the temptation, 40 days Jesus had been in fasting and praying. The devil came and tempted him. Jesus reached for the arsenal of the word, didn't he? He said, it is written. And with that, he sent the devil on his way on three separate occasions. So we need the word of God. What's the fourth weapon? Giving. Is that right? We said we give. When you give, you are engaging in spiritual warfare. How many of you are givers? All right, so most of you are givers. Some of you are working on it. That's good. All right, when you give, you're engaging in spiritual warfare. The Lord said that if you tithe, he will rebuke the devourer for your sake. So tithing is actually an act of spiritual warfare. And giving is over and above the tithe. So when you give, who are you fighting most when you give? The flesh, right? You're fighting the greed within your inner man. It says, if I give this away, I'm never going to see it again. Guess what? What you give to God never leaves your life, does it? Cuando damos, estamos entrando en guerra espiritual y combatiendo contra el hombre interior que dice, si yo doy esto, jamás lo voy a ver de nuevo. Pero la verdad es que cuando usted da, lo que usted le da a Dios nunca se va de su vida. If your hand is closed, you may not lose anything you have, but you can't gain anything either. Right? When your hand is open, you stand and maybe lose a little bit, but you can also receive. Cuando tu mano está cerrada, no puedes recibir. Cuando tu mano está abierta, 
posible que puedas recibir. Now, I shared a testimony with you on Sunday night, and I, I shared the good part, okay? But I have to share the hard part, too, so you guys will get the whole story, all right? It was about giving. Yo compartí un testimonio el domingo en la noche, pero compartiendo más lo bueno del testimonio, no, no compartir lo, lo difícil del testimonio. Pero si no le digo lo difícil, va a pensar que usted le va a venir un cheque también. So if I don't tell you the hard part, then you're going to be expecting a check too. And uh, then you got to know where, what's the rest of the story, right, as, uh, as the reporter would say. So um, several months ago, and we're going to get to Psalm 44 in a minute, all right? So you just hang in there. Several months ago, the Lord, uh, he, uh, I was driving. And I felt the Lord say, I want you to give me an extravagant offering. And I said, Lord, I'm driving right now, okay? <laughs> uh, I, I don't have time to think about that right now because I'm driving. El Señor me dijo, quiero que me des una ofrenda extravagante. Y yo le dije, Señor, estoy manejando ahorita. Mejor pídeme cuando no esté manejando para poder pensar las cosas. Uh, um, so he came again when I was praying. Vino otra vez cuando estaba orando. He said, I want an extravagant offering. I said, Lord, I am praying right now. <laughs> uh, you kind of you can see what I'm getting at. So eventually, the third time, I was like, all right. what?" I said, all right, Lord, what is an extravagant offering? Because Solomon gave a thousand ox for the dedication of the temple, and that was extravagant, but that's kind of outside of my reach. Yo dije, Señor, ¿para ti qué es una ofrenda extravagante? He said, uh, give me everything you have in your checking account, everything in your savings account, and everything in your rainy day fund. I said, but Lord, Dave Ramsey said that I need to have a rainy day fund. That's an extravagant offer. He didn't say any more than that. He said, all right. So I, I obey God. You know that. And I took everything in my checking, everything in my savings, and everything in my rainy day fund. It, it, it came out to roughly 10% of my annual income. Now, I'm a tither, so this was going to be above the tithe. And I'm a giver, so this is going to be above the giving. And I gave the single greatest offering in my life. Now, somebody else, it might not have been a big deal, but to me, it was, you know, that sound you hear at the end of the uh, Route 44 when you drank the last ounce of Dr. Pepper. <laughs> All right. I did not know God was about to bring us into a 21-day shift. But you see, before he deals with you, he's already dealt here. All right? So I just want you to know this, because he's asking you for something. And I told you to begin this 21-day shift by asking, God, what do you want me to give? And I'm not saying he's going to require you to give your, an extravagant offering. He might. I'm not saying. I don't, I don't know what he's going to ask you to do. Okay? But if you've been asking, he's been telling you, or he will tell you. And the reason for this in my heart was, was a couple of things. Number one, 
is I lived seven years as a full-time missionary evangelist. I had no salary guaranteed. So I lived week to week in essence. But for seven years, I never lacked even once. For seven years, God provided everything I needed, sometimes as much as $20,000 for a single trip to Peru or so on, a crusade. But when I became a pastor, I said, Lord, I don't want to be comfortable at a church to the extent that I don't trust you for what I need. And he took me at my word, right? So this offering was about that in one sense. He was saying, I want you to know that if you give me everything, that I will have your back. Right? So that was part of it. Second thing was that my, my heart, in my heart, I want to be able someday to give God a million dollar offering. That's my life goal. Someday, I want to give God a million dollar offering. So guess what? If I'm going to give him a million dollar offering someday, I have to give him the best I can do now. Right? Because if I can't give him now, I can't give him anything then. So that was the second part of this for me. He's training my hands to war. He's saying, Isaac, I, have, I know the desire of your heart, and I'm going to get you there, but you're going to get there slowly, step by step. I'm going to train you how to do this. You know what happened when I gave God that offering? You think I'm going to, that, uh, I don't know how you would feel when you gave that, when you gave that away. Just imagine if you do a round figure, what would that amount to right now for you? And the, the, the moment I gave it up, I felt like a rich man. I now had less, but I felt like I had more. My spirit shifted to where since then I've given two offerings half that size without even thinking about it. Now, I'm not saying this. I, I, I tried to tell this story on a Sunday morning. The Lord said, no, that crowd can't handle it. So you, you can handle this. Okay. Here's what I don't want. I'm not trying to get you to say, wow, Pastor Isaac. No. This is going to happen to all of us. But he had to start here first. All right. So when God asks you to give, you give. For me, it was one amount. For you, maybe giving $100 is going to be that extravagant. It doesn't matter the size. What matters is that you are being trained for war. I don't know if you guys realize this, but what God's going to do here, uh, the, the work and ministry he has for our church is going to cost millions of dollars to do. The missionaries we're going to send out the churches we're going to plant, they're going to cost millions of dollars to do. And guess where it's coming from? Where's it coming from? Us. Us. 
So stop looking for that rich guy to walk in. You're the rich guy. I wish there was some faith in here tonight. I said, stop looking for Donald Trump to walk in here. But that shift occurs when your hands are trained to give. And those of you who have given, I know in my life, every time I have exceeded my greatest offering, something has changed in my own life. In my, not, not so much in my circumstances, but in my heart. Now, I want to tell you the rest of the story. Now, I didn't give so God would give anything to me in return. I was just so glad I could give God an offering. That was, that was what shifted in my heart. I, was, I went to a new level as the way I thought about money. But by the end of last month, I had not, I, when I did an accounting, I had everything in the, in the savings that I had given up. God, God blessed me so much in the, the second, in the, the two months after that offering that I, it was as if I never gave anything. Now, I'm challenging some of you tonight. I didn't give so God would give me anything in return. But you know what God said? Isaac, I can trust you with my resources in a greater measure. And as long as that tap is open toward the kingdom of God, God will continue to bless you in greater measure with the resources that you're going to need not only for your family. This is what the shift is about, ultimately. The shift is not about survival. The shift is about learning or entering a season where we have more than enough. We have lived on enough for a long time, haven't we? Have you seen God provide enough? Say this with me. Enough with enough. God's saying, I'm, I'm going to take Kingsway to a season of more than enough. Now, if you want it, you'll grab it tonight. And if you don't, you just let it, let it roll past you. That's on you. Okay, but that day, I told you about on Sunday night. I'm walking to my office at the Bible school. The Lord says to me, go to the mailbox, pick up your check. I said, what check? I don't receive checks in the mail. I figured I had better listen. I went, and sure enough, there was a check there for more than $1,600. He's teaching our hands to war and our fingers to fight. Can you receive that? All right, all right. Some of you, uh, don't ask if you don't want to give. But if you want to shift in your finances, ask God, what do you want me to give? He'll tell you. And, and he may ask you to just go to the next level in your giving. But when you do that, you're going to see his hand at work in your life. All right, what's the fifth? Praise. How many of you have been praising God? Have you ever praised him through a storm? 
Amen. When you lift our hands in praise, we're, we're entering into an act of warfare against the kingdom of darkness. You know that praise is confusing to the devil? See, I should not be happy about giving away all that I have in cash. So when I praise God, after giving that offering, the devil's like, I don't get it. I just don't get it. And when the devil comes or, or, or you get bad news in your life and you praise God, it confuses the devil. It confuses hell. To see a believer praise God. So uh, all that is just getting us to where we're going tonight. Okay? So I want you to take that home. If you're practicing those five things, you keep practicing them. All right? Hit it hard. Train your hands for war and your fingers to fight. Now, the Lord gave me this psalm for us. Psalm 44, verse 1 through 8. Oh God, we have heard with our ears. I want you to underline heard with our ears. How many of you have heard something about the past that God did? Testimonies. Come on, how many of you have heard good things? I just told you something God did. So you have heard at least one testimony in your life. Those testimonies are valuable. Dice el salmista, Oh Jehová, hemos oído con nuestros oídos. How many of you have heard of miracles? You've heard of healing. You've heard of deliverance. You've heard of of powerful acts of God. So the, the nation of Israel says we have heard with our ears. Faith comes by what? Hearing. So you need to be hearing the word of God. The testimony of God's power in the life of somebody else. And by the same token, you need to be telling somebody what God has done in your life. If God does something for you, don't keep it to yourself. He didn't do it just for you. He did it so somebody else could hear about it and believe. Cuando usted tiene un testimonio, dígalo a alguien. No se quede con eso encerrado, sino dígalo, porque ese testimonio le va a ser de, de valor a otra persona para la edificación de su fe. Hemos oído con nuestros oídos. La fe viene por el oír. I explained to you a couple of weeks ago of the use of the word rhema. You remember that? We said that rhema is, the scripture says, faith comes by rhema. The rhema of the word of God. What is rhema? Rhema is when the Lord takes a passage out of the scripture and like a dart sends it into your spirit. And that becomes life to your spirit. It creates faith. So you need to be in the word so that God can give rhema to your spirit. It's going to come out of his word. We need to be hearing the word of God. Why do you think uh, the, the enemy fights you getting to church? Or doesn't he fight you? Circumstances will fight you getting to church. Why? Because faith comes by hearing the word of God. You need to make it up in your mind. I might miss dinner, but I'm not going to miss church. I have to hear God's word. Because his word produces faith. How many of you know it's going to take some faith to get from where you are to where God wants to take you? 
Come on, lift those hands. Is it going to take some faith? It's going to take some faith to pay off that house. To start that business. To raise those kids. To send them to college. It's going to take some faith to cast the devil out of your neighbor. Right, all those things, it's going to take some faith. Faith comes how? By hearing the word of God. If you miss a service, I want you to go on the SoundCloud. Say, what's SoundCloud? Just Google it. Right? SoundCloud. Look for Kingsway Church in Beeville. And you can hear every sermon that's preached here. So if you miss one, you go and you hear it. I don't care if you hear John Hagee and, and T.D. Jakes and everybody else. But you make sure you hear what God is saying to our house. All right? If you, so if you miss a service, you go here. But God is saying to our house. And if you heard it and you don't remember it, go hear it again. God is speaking to us, isn't he? Has a word that's come out of the pulpit lately been for you? Yes. God is speaking to us. He's not speaking to the wrong church. He's speaking to us. We need to hear. Oh, God, we have heard with our ears our father, what our fathers have told us. The works that you did in their days, in the days of old. And with your own hand, you drove out the nations, then you planted them. Underline, planted them. Here's the first thing we need to hear tonight, is that in the middle of this shift, God is saying, I am going, or I have planted you. I have planted you. Dice el Salmo verso 2. Con tu propia mano sacaste las naciones y los sembraste. Los plantaste. God says, I have planted you. What does planting mean? Planting implies stability. When you plant a tree, you don't move it next week, right, to a different spot? No? Why? What happens if you move a tree every week, plant it in a different hole? You're gonna have you're gonna have pecans by autumn? No. Why? It's not getting any roots. God's saying this shift is going to plant you. Now, some of you are already planted, and God is saying, "I've planted you." Others of you haven't been planted because your life's been very unstable. God says, "I'm about to bring stability into your life." I'm going to plant you. And what does the scripture say? Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly, nor sit in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is the law of the Lord, and on it he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree. What kind of tree? Firmly planted by the streams of water. He will give fruit in season, his leaf will not fail, and whatsoever he does will prosper. Dice el Salmo que el hombre que teme a Dios será como un árbol plantado junto a las corrientes de agua que da su fruto en su tiempo y su hoja no cae y todo lo que hace prosperará. Now I want you to listen to that because that is you God's talking about. You, say, I will be like a tree planted firmly by the stream. 
Now say this, I will bear fruit in due season. My leaf will not fail. And everything I do will prosper. Now, do you believe that? Okay, just let it sink down in your heart. You know how when you plant a tree, you got to kind of get it down deep there. I will be like a tree. Planted. Not a potted tree. And, and maybe some of you have been like a potty tree. You've been moved around. God say, I have found a hole to plant you in. I have found some soil to put you in. Guess what? Kingsway Church is good soil. And God says, I'm going to plant you. Why? Because what I want from you is fruit. Dios te, te está diciendo a alguien, yo te voy a plantar, te voy a sembrar como un árbol. Has sido como un árbol en, un, en una, uh, how do you say pot? Una maceta que ha ido de un lado a otro, pero yo he, he encontrado terreno para sembrarte. Now hold your place in Psalm 44 and go to Jeremiah. Detenga su lugar ahí en Salmo 44 y vaya a Jeremías, capítulo 17. Jeremiah 17. <coughs> this is, this is your, your birthright I'm reading to you, so I hope you're taking notes. How many of you trust in the Lord? Let's try it again. How many of you trust in the Lord? Amen. All right, let's see what it says about you then. Jeremiah 17, verse 7. Did you find it? Blessed is the man whose trust is where? In the Lord. How many of you trust in the Lord? Amen. Say this with me. I trust in the Lord, therefore I am blessed. You sound so good saying that. Let's say that again. I trust in the Lord. Therefore, I am blessed. So when the enemy comes around to tell you, you're not blessed, you're, you probably have a curse on you. You tell that devil, I trust in the Lord. Therefore, I am blessed. How do you know? Because the word of God says so. Blessed is the man whose trust is in the Lord and whose trust is the Lord. For he will be like a what? A tree what? Planted by what? By the water. He will be like a tree planted. Here's what I want you to notice, first of all. Who did the planting? Who planted you? God. God's a gardener, right? He's been a gardener from day one. Guess what? He picked the spot where he planted you. And some trees are like, man, I really like that spot over there. Trying to get over there. But God said, no, I planted you here. 
I picked this spot. The Bible said the lines have fallen to me in pleasant places. What does that mean? That means that God chose the right spot for you. He chose the right ground for you, the right soil, the right conditions. And let me just encourage you with this. Nothing in your life that's been hard or difficult, no hardship, no trial, no test, no setback has ever been outside of God's permission for your life. Because he knew that that spot was going to produce the fruit that he wanted out of your life. So you stand firm. Stay planted. Because God picked the spot for you to be planted. Scripture said, do not be weary in well-doing. For in due season, you will bear fruit. You will reap if you faint not. So... Cast shade where you're at. You may not be able to do anything about that thing over there, but you you touch what you can touch, and you bloom where God planted you. Because he picked the spot. Now, he's a good gardener, and he doesn't make mistakes. And he knows what it's going to take for you to bear the kind of fruit that he wants. Second thing I want you to see is that this tree is planted by a stream. Now notice, uh, the Psalm 1 stream looks a little bit different from the Psalms, from the Jeremiah 17 stream. He says he's planted by the water. The tree extends its roots by the stream. Now, really, the implication is here that this, the root system of the tree, it doesn't necessarily go over to the stream but it, it actually has found a stream that's running under the surface. How many of you know there's water running under the surface? There's rivers running under the surface. A mature tree finds water with its roots. Un árbol, el cual dice Jeremías, sembrado contra el agua, sus raíces, va buscando por la tierra, buscando, 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 hasta que encuentra él esa agua que está fluyendo bajo el superficie. Here's the thing. There are going to be days when the stream that's running out, out uh, in a vis the visible stream dries up, especially around here. South Texas, we have creek beds with no water, right? But there's water underneath. We all love revival. But revival's like that stream. Sometimes you don't go to the stream. Sometimes you have to dig deep. And your roots have to get down there where nobody else is. And guess what? When the storm comes, the tree that was just drinking off of the surface falls right over. But the tree that has some roots... You can try to cut that thing down, it'll grow back. Because its roots are drinking from the stream. How many of you are drinking from the stream? Are your roots down deep? 
God said, that's the kind of tree that you're going to be. You're going to be planted. And then he says, his leaves will be green. How many of you like South Texas when it's actually green? Here's how I want you to see. God says, the blessed man, the blessed woman, when every other tree is brown, they're going to be green. And he will not fear when drought comes. He will not be anxious in the year of drought. How long is a year? It's a long time, isn't it, for a drought? Right here, we know droughts that last several years. God says, this, this planting that I'm doing, you're not going to be afraid when drought comes. And drought is coming. Drought is coming. But we're not going to participate in it. I wish I could get some faith in here tonight. I said drought is coming, but we're not going to participate in it. America is going into a spiritual drought, but we're not participating. It may go into a financial drought. But we're not participating because we have a stream that is deeper than the streams that men can see. So God says, I planted you. And this is the kind of planting that I've done. You're not going to be afraid when drought comes. In fact, Jeremiah implies that the tree looks at drought and laughs. That's funny. They say more people are getting laid off. Just let a smile come over your face. God's my boss. God's going to provide. God's going to open doors. You remember in the middle of a drought, God sent the prophet Elijah to a lady that had one meal left? In the middle of a drought. So don't fear when drought comes. You stay planted. All right, back to Psalm 44. <coughs> Verse 3, For by their own sword they did not possess the land, and their own arm did not save them. He said, Israel did not possess the promised land by their own strength, by their own effort. How did they possess it? But your right hand and your arm and the light of your presence, for you favored them. How is it that you and I, in this shift that God is giving to us, are going to possess things that we never thought we would possess? I'll give you one simple reason. The favor of God. Not your sword. Not your intelligence. Not your ideas. Not your strategy. God says it'll be my favor that'll open doors for you. It'll be my favor that will cause, that it will cause these things to come about. It's going to be God's work, God's doing. He says, verse 4, You are my king, O God. Command victories for Jacob. I want you to underline, command victories for Jacob. 
Here's the second thing I believe the Lord wants us to hear tonight. Is he saying, I am commanding victories for you. It's a sleepy church tonight. God said, I am commanding victories for you. Tell your neighbor, don't worry. Tell your neighbor, don't worry. This fight is fixed. Let's try that again. I just enjoyed that. Tell your neighbor, don't worry. This fight is fixed. Have you ever watched wrestling? WWF, I guess it's, if it's still called that, or E, or XIJKLMNOP, I don't know. You know the fighters are, are fixed, right? We have, <laughs> we have some true believers in the house. You know the fight is fixed, right? Somewhere in the back room, what's the owner's name? McMahon, he said, look, you're going to win, you're going to lose. All right, that's how we're going to keep this going. And next week, maybe we'll let you win, but tonight you're losing. But I want you to make it look real. In fact, you're going to be winning all night, but at the end, you're going to lose, okay? Because you work for me. Listen, church, don't be afraid. Don't worry. This fight is fixed. God is commanding victories for you. I need some faith in this house tonight. I said God is commanding victories for you. The fight is fixed. It's fixed toward the glory of God. When it's over, God will get the glory and you and I will have the victory. Victory, victory shall be mine. You remember that? If I hold my peace and let the Lord fight the battle, victory, victory shall be mine. There's victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me and he bought me with his redeeming blood. He loved me ere I knew him and all my love is due him. He plunged me to victory beneath the cleansing flood. God is commanding victories for you. He's not commanding narrow victories, skin of your teeth victories. He's commanding, commanding victories. You are about to snatch victory out of the jaws of defeat in Jesus' name. He has fixed this fight. And if your faith is toward God, I want you to say what you believe about him. Say, God, command these victories in my life. 
When you face an obstacle, you say, God's already commanded the victory. Now, here's the thing. It doesn't mean you don't have to walk in the ring sometimes. If, the fight, if there's a victory, that means there's a contest. You can't have a victory without a contest. You can't win the first prize without running a race. You knew that, right? Like, Pastor, I did not want to hear that. You should have just left it on. Victory, victory shall be mine. <laughs> well, I got to tell you the truth. A victory comes after contest. You will face a competitor. You will face opposition. You will face a challenge. But God says, I have commanded victory. So, so stand where you're planted and watch me do this. One last one here. Is this helping anybody? Verse 5. Through you... Speaking to the Lord, through the Lord, through you, we will push back our adversaries. Underline that, push back our adversaries. Dice, a través de ti tendremos victorias. Y venceremos nuestro adversario. Through you, we will push back our adversaries. Now, here's what I believe the Lord's been saying to us. Some of you haven't gotten it yet, but he's, he's, he's going to get it to you. I just love God because he's so patient. You don't love him too for that reason? <laughs> Some of you are still chewing on planted. Right? Listen, in 1967, Israel's neighbors invaded Israel, invaded Palestine. All right, let's, let's make it quick, guys. You, you, I got to get this point across here. All right. 1967, Syria, and uh, I believe Egypt was involved, they invaded Israel. It's known as the Six-Day War. Just tell them to wait for a second. All right. How many of you ever heard of Six Days War? It was a Six-Day War. The, the whole war was a Six-Day War. Contest. When the war was over, Israel had more land than when it started. <coughs> All right, I'm going to say that again, and, and maybe. <laughs> I said, when the war was over, Israel, the victim. Unprovoked attack had more land than it had when it started. And I'm telling you today, the enemy is going to attack. He has attacked. That's his job. But guess what? When this thing is over, you will have more land than you had when it started. Hallelujah. I said, we're not fighting for survival. We're fighting for new ground, new territory. 
enough with enough. We have fought for survival long enough. God said, I am going to give you the strength to push back your adversary. And when it's over, you will be stronger and mightier and more powerful and more fruitful than you were when it began. Hallelujah. God has commanded this victory. He said, I will push you. Through you, we will push back our adversary. So when the devil knocks down your fence, don't get all bothered about it and take him to court, okay? (laughs) Just expect that God's about to give you a new place to put that fence. Now here's the thing. God hasn't given some of us, some of you, more ground because you couldn't handle the ground you had yet. But with maturity, God says, I'll give you more now. If you can handle what I've given you, you can handle more. So be faithful with what you have today. God says, I'm going to give you more. He said, I'll give you double for your trouble, didn't he? And I'll do twice as much at the end of this year as I did at the beginning. And I believe God. So we're right in the middle of a 21-day shift. Are we going to quit tonight? No. I want you to put your war face on. And go after this warfare with all the power that God has given you in him. Would you stand with me?